warning before the homily this morning that I may have bitten off more than I can chew for this morning's homily. So bear with me till the end. I'm building up to something. Hopefully it's something good. I love the Gospel of John. It's probably my favorite gospel, but when we get to this point in the gospel, it's really hard to wrestle with what John is saying. When he's saying things like, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you, it reminds me of the famous Abbott and Costello bit of who's on first, what's on second, and I don't know who's on third, but who's, what's the name of the guy on second? What? But I ask who's on first? Confusing. What is Jesus trying to say? Or even St. Peter today, he says, in your hearts sanctify Christ. Beautiful to listen to. What does it mean? How do we sanctify Christ in our hearts? And it only gets worse from here because in the subsequent Sundays from now, we have these great big feasts in the church, but they're hard to grapple with. Next Sunday is the Feast of the Ascension. Sunday after that, the Feast of Pentecost. The Sunday after that, we celebrate the Most Holy Trinity. These are hard to grapple with because they're dealing primarily with spiritual things. And it can be hard to know how they take concrete form in our lives. Or that they just seem abstract ideas and how do they become real or meaningful to who we are as Christians. We're coming to the end of Easter. This is the last Sunday of Easter before the two great feasts to cap it off, the Ascension and Pentecost, where we remember and celebrate the resurrection and the gift of eternal life given to us. But when we remember the resurrection, this purely, seemingly purely spiritual reality, we have to remind ourselves that as Catholics, the resurrection is not an escape from the created world. It's not just us waiting until the day for our soul to escape our bodies that has been imprisoned for so long to just go and be in the purely spiritual realm of heaven. We will see that in the coming feasts. We are enfleshed souls. We say in the creed that we believe in the resurrection of the body, not just the resurrection of the soul, the resurrection of the body. And because of this, it shapes who we are and how we relate to God. You can kind of think about it like fuel in a car. If you have a car, but there's no fuel in it, it doesn't have energy. It can't be animated. It can't go anywhere. Or if you have just fuel, but no car, you have all this potential energy, but no way to put it into action. You need the fuel and the car to work together to be able to drive. We are body and soul, fleshed souls. And continually, our body and soul are working together. Our soul is expressed through our body. This is why Jesus tells us in the gospel, he who keeps my commandments loves me. Because we enact our love for Jesus by being faithful to his commandments. We express the love in our soul for Jesus by the way that we live. Faith proves itself through works. This is why when some people say, well, why do I have to say I love you to prove that I love you? 
because that's the only way we can know that we express what is found in our soul by our words and our actions in life. There's actually studies, psychological studies, that if they tell a person to try one by one to use the muscles in their face that it takes them to smile, it can shift them from feeling down to happy. Or the opposite is true. If they are happy and they tell them to try to use each muscle that they know they need to frown, they can go from happy to sad. Because our bodies have an impact on our soul. Now, our our emotions are not our soul, but where is your soul? We can't point to, like, my soul is right here like we would a part of our body. But our emotions, our intellect, point us to our soul. So, the problem is that we're not integrated. We live too much in the body or we live too much in the soul. And the two don't come together the way that they're intended to, the way that God created us to live. Being too much in the body is easy. We are usually quick to pick that up. If I overindulge in food or in drink or too focused on money or material pleasures, this is being too focused on my bodily needs without recognizing the impact that they could have on my soul by taking too much of them. Being overly in the spirit, in our soul, is a little bit harder to kind of pinpoint. But here's some examples. When our anxiety or our fear paralyzes us from acting in any way. When we go to pray, but we can't find rest, that we're agitated in prayer, and we last less than a couple of minutes because I just can't sit here anymore. Or the idealism of married life, of everything that I would want married life to be, but I'm unwilling or unable to take the sacrifice that it requires to be married to another person. Or maybe the jealousy that comes up because I can't do what my friend can do, that I'm not physically capable of doing that thing and the jealousy that comes and staying in that jealousy. Or the pride that leads us to always complain that things are never good enough because why? My thoughts, my ideas are best. When we do those things, we stay too much in the soul without living it in our body and it becomes distorted because we are enfleshed souls. Body and soul need to come together. And when we listen closely to the readings from today, we hear multiple points where body and soul are being brought together. In the Acts of the Apostles, the Apostles come to people who have received the Spirit, but they confirm that receiving of the Spirit by laying on of hands, which we continue until today at confirmation and ordination. This laying on of hands is this physical, tangible part of receiving the Spirit. Or St. Peter in his letter today talks about hope that we have while suffering in the body. That there is the possibility of this hope in the soul while we are physically ailing. Or he says at the end that Jesus has died in the flesh but he is alive in the Spirit. Or as we pointed to at the beginning, 
we show our love of God by keeping his commandments because we enact our love for him in our life. This is why live streaming mass just doesn't cut it. Because all the prayers are there. There's me talking like a Frenchman with my hands and knocking the mic off. All the prayers are there. You can pray along with all of the regular prayers of Mass by live stream, but you all know that something is missing. Being connected physically through the Eucharist and through the community that gathers because we are body and soul. And so the two have to come together for us to be fulfilled the way that God intended us to be. This is why the church holds up marriage when it's lived the way it's intended to be as this image and this sign of God's divine love for us. That through the physical expression of love between husband and wife, body and soul, they express that union that God is desiring with us. All of that basically just to say this is all about love. We hear it all the time. We hear the discussion about love all the time. But what is the love that God is drawing us into? When he says, when Jesus says, abide in me, that I am in the Father, and the, I am in you, and you are in me, this is the expression of love. But it's only possible if it's done body and soul. We can give our bodies in love, but if our soul is not in it, it's dead. We can try to give our whole soul to someone, but if we don't physically, materially express that love to them, they're going to be left disillusioned and walk away because they can't know what you're living hidden in your soul. When John is expressing through the words of Jesus in his gospel, this kind of, and he goes on for a really long time, this final discourse, it's three chapters of Jesus talking to his apostles at the Last Supper. And over and over again, he talks about abiding and being in him and keeping his commandments to express his love. It's drawing us into this love of God, body and soul with everything that we are. Because that's the resurrection. The resurrection is our soul and body glorified like Jesus in perfect union with God the Father. It's a challenge because it kind of feels like chicken and the egg. What comes first? Do I do acts of service to show love and then I love? Or do I receive love from God and then I do acts of service? It's both. We receive love from God because He is in us through our prayer, through receiving the sacraments we receive from him. And then we give love by our sacrifice, by our service, by putting into action, by materializing our love in the world. Recognizing in ourself when we are living too much in the body or too much in the spiritual realm and not bringing, finding a way to bring the two together leaves us feeling disconnected, disembodied, we might say. God's desire for us is to live body and soul.
This is why Jesus became man, to exemplify and embody that for us. This is why at the Ascension next Sunday, Jesus rises to his Father, not as a ghost before them, but in his glorified body. This is why at Pentecost, when the apostles receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, they go out into the streets and preach in the tongues, in the languages of everybody that needs to hear God's word. So, in your own life, where are you overly skewed one way or another? And then, in your prayer, receive that tangible expression of God's love, particularly through the sacraments, that longing right now for the Eucharist, confession if you need, that we can still do. For those who are sick, the sacrament of the sick, and then to live it in the world, to give back what we have received from God. And in that, when Jesus says, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you, is this abiding love that ties us together with our whole being from now and into eternity.